This is the Transforming Basketball Podcast, and I'm your host, Alex Sarama. This is the podcast where we help coaches and practitioners change the way we think about basketball performance. Our goal is to create the ultimate resource to help make sense of how contemporary skill acquisition ideas can be applied within the basketball world. Throughout the podcast, we'll unpack how an ecological dynamics framework alters our perspective of the game. If you're ready to join us in our quest to transform the basketball world, then this is the podcast for you. This is Alex here with a special message. I just want to say a big thank you on behalf of myself and my team here at Transforming Basketball for your support of the podcast. Since launching only a few months ago, it's been incredible to engage with members of the basketball community all over the world. We have some really exciting plans in place for 2024, and we wish you all the best for a happy Christmas and New Year. Enjoy listening to the rest of this podcast. Today's episode will be a relatively short but very practical one where I want to take a deep dive into how we can use the CLA with beginners. And I've done this because I've received numerous questions since starting Transforming Basketball about how these ideas could be applied with eight-year-olds picking up a basketball for the first time, under 10s, in settings all over the world. And My main takeaway is that all the ideas I share based on contemporary skill acquisition research, beginners are not exempt from this. So when I talk about things like perception, action, coupling, affordances, self-organization, etc., this is all based on human movement. So a beginner, a seven-year-old, does not move any differently, and the process of human movement is not different to a professional level. Now, of course their ability to successfully act upon an affordance is going to be radically different. But it doesn't mean that they're learning in a different way or that this justifies using a traditional approach to coach them. So the first area I want to look at is equipment scaling. And this is obviously a type of environmental constraint in terms of the equipment used, such as the baskets, the balls, the playing area, in terms of you know a smaller court versus a regulation-sized court with normal lines, etc. So there has been a lot of research that has been done in this space in multiple sports, including basketball, looking at the benefits from a skill acquisition standpoint when the equipment is scaled relative to the age of the players, aka the children. So this first research article comes from Buzzard et al., and it's titled Scaling the Equipment and Play Area in Children's Sport to Improve Motor Skill Acquisition, a Systematic Review. So I picked the review paper because they summarized lots of the research that has been done previously and put it in one place. So the researchers wrote, these benefits of equipment scaling, that is, include greater engagement with and enjoyment of the task, enhanced performance of skills, expedited skill improvements, improved match performance, the development of more desirable movement patterns, and increased likelihood of learning and performing implicitly. So the research is very conclusive in this area. So that means if we are still having players kind of 12 years old and under practicing with regulation-sized basketballs, aka the adult size seven ball, it's not going to be conducive from a skill acquisition standpoint. And it's actually going to limit our ability to use the CLA well, just because of how the movements that they're naturally capable of and the affordances they're able to act on are very limited. 
They're not going to be able to shoot threes. They're not going to be able to make skip passes. So it's really just hindering their long-term progress. Within the same paper, the researchers look specifically at basketball and many of the studies that have been done relative to our sport. So numerous conclusions here. I'll include this in the show note. I'm just going to read a few of them. There are too many. It's going to be too boring if I read them all. So Jose Arias has done a lot of research here. Quite a few studies come from him. And just some of the findings that he found were the number of attempted layups increased when children played with a lighter ball compared to a regulation ball. Shot accuracy was greater when playing with a lighter ball compared to a regulation one. Children passed the ball more. They displayed more pass receptions and dribbled more with a lighter ball. Children experienced more one-on-one situations. It's very, very evident for us to see. So we have to find ways to scale equipment. And that means, you know, if you're on a youth program, one of the priorities has to be trying to fundraise to get smaller basketballs, number one, and then trying to find ways to get hoops which are lower. Because that is the most important constraint manipulation we can do at this age group. It's the most important, and that's where we need to start. Let's assume we've done that. What can we do next? So I think this concept of optimal challenge point is very important. And this comes from Gradagnoli and Lee in 2004. Now, they had an information processing background, but when applied to an ecological approach, I still think this is very relevant. And the idea is to get the optimal learning benefits from a practice the challenge point needs to be just right. That means that if the challenge point is too low, then you know it's going to look really good in the practice, but the learning benefit's not going to be there. Vice versa, if it's too difficult, it's going to be the same. As coaches, this means that we have to keep manipulating constraints until we find something that is just right. And this could be on a team-wide basis, or maybe even doing it slightly individually. So you might have one or two players who are really good within your under-12s team. You know, doing the one-on-one is too easy for them. So when they're up, you might be standing in the smile and it becomes a one-on-two. Now, you're not making it blatantly obvious that they are doing a different activity, but you are subtly increasing the challenge point without even making the kids conscious of it. I'll give you another example. One of my favorite one-on-ones in youth basketball is with the coach facilitating with a high five. I got this from Mike McKay, and I think Mike got it from Renato Pasquale years ago. Mike's obviously made it very good by adding his ideas to it, really improved it. And I've tried to do the same and keep building on the ideas I've spoken about with Mike. So started doing this years ago. And the offensive player starts in the corner with a defender. There's a coach on the wing. The moment the coach connects and looks at the player, they're passing the ball. Offense and defense sprint to the coach. The coach puts it on their inside hip for the offensive player to grab. And then they're going to put that outside hand up for the defender to high five. Now, we can change the optimal challenge within that one-on-one. If I want a player, if I think a player needs a bigger advantage, I'm going to put my hand much further back and it's going to be a much bigger advantage because the defender has to touch that before recovering. While maybe for one of our better players, the advantage is too easy. So I'm going to give them maybe a very small advantage or even no advantage at all by putting my hand much closer to a defender. And then they got to create against neutral. And maybe I even give them a shot clock and I start counting down four, three, two, one. So we can be smart as coaches without making the kids feel different and feel like they are aware of differences in abilities. We can just, if we're creative as coaches, design it into how we deliver our practice tasks through the CLA. A key part, and this is connected to challenge point, the idea of task simplification. When beginners struggle, we want to avoid having to go to on-air practice. And my mission today is to show you how that's not even needed. Instead, 
we can just simplify the task. So the first way we can do that is equipment scaling, which I've already mentioned. Use an even smaller ball, use a smaller hoop. One of the biggest things I'd love to see is a FIBA three-point line that's relative for youth players. And I think that would be one of the biggest things for youth basketball on the 12s and under. So if we could have a closer three-point line, what that would do for spacing and developing players when they're older would be amazing. Again, try and think of what I've done in the past sometimes is I've used floor mats to try and stipulate a different three-point line. It's amazing the difference you see with the spacing. And then I obviously I introduced my floor as lava constraint and you see the kids automatically not bunching up, not all standing in the smile, in the paint. Okay, second way we can simplify and make it easier, play with numerical advantages. Two-on-one, two-on-two. Even if you're doing one-on-one, just make it a two-against-one, but both offensive players still have the ball. You're simplifying it. It's going to be a great task. So be creative. Think about We don't always have to play a one ball. We could use two balls. You could even have two baskets. So the offense has a choice on what basket they score on with a one-on-one or a three-on-three. Great ways to do that. And one of the future guests on the podcast will be Francesco Rossi, who I had the pleasure of working with at College Basket in Italy. One of the favorite games I saw him do was called Cambio. So he would sometimes yell Cambio, and that would mean change in Italian. The team in possession would put the ball down, and they must high-five the coach. What that does, it creates a temporary numerical advantage and obviously lots of different ways you can do that. So you could apply that same premise in a, anywhere from a two-on-two to a five-on-five. Something else I got from Francesco, which I love, is say you're playing a normal cross-court game, three-on-three or five-on-five at the youth level. Anytime the offense crosses the half line, they can choose to keep attacking or change direction and score on the basket they were previously defending. It is an amazing game. It creates natural numerical advantage, which aren't scripted and they're always variable. And it makes them really understand space and understanding the shared affordances for and of their teammates. So stuff like that, again, we're getting extremely creative as coaches. This is about far more than turning up to practice with a bunch of drills. Third one, larger space. This is a really simple one. Obviously, increasing the space available is going to make it easier. And obviously, that alludes to why that changing baskets game is useful because there's a larger space to operate in. It's less, the players are less bunched up. Two baskets. So something I love is if you have, let's say you're playing a cross-court game and you've also got the middle basket. I love games where players can score on all three baskets. It's great because it makes the challenge point easier for youth players and it just fosters extreme adaptability. So again, start to think creatively. And the last one is increased advantage, not a numerical advantage, just the kind of positional one. So In your one-on-one, if you're just starting neutral with the defender in front of the offensive player with beginners, in all likelihood, the players aren't going to have much success. So you've got to think, how can we increase the advantage? So maybe the defender stands next to the offensive player and can only move when they dribble. So it's a small advantage. Or maybe it's even an even bigger one. They might start two steps behind the player. So as soon as they drive from the three-point line on the half line, they got to try and recover back and it's going to be easy for the offense. Now, a key part of this is manipulating constraints in relation to the defense when you're working with beginners. So I want to give you some very practical examples. Now, think about these being applied to any small-sided game, not just one-on-one, but even three-on-three and even five-on-five at the youth level. So number one, the defense can't jump. As easy as that. If they do, you award points to the offense. Can't jump. Imagine in a one-on-one, that's going to make it much easier. Secondly, the defense can only play with one hand. 
it's still more representative than removing the defender. And it's going to allow that offense to have more success and use solutions that might not be possible if the defender is fully live with two hands and they're able to steal the ball. You could also do things like holding a bib or even having the defender hold a basketball or dribble a basketball at the same time. I love stuff like that. And obviously you're promoting the development of functional solutions in dribbling at the same time. And the last one is limited steps for the defense or applying a spatial constraint. For instance, maybe they can only play defense inside the paint or outside the paint, or maybe they choose a starting position and they only have three steps or they can only move for four seconds. Lots of different things here you can do to be creative. So let's finish with some practical ideas. And I would say this, I am delighted that over my last kind of 10 years coaching, I've worked with a lot of beginners, a lot of professional players and everything in between. And that is one of the biggest reasons I'm so confident in my coaching today. It's because I've had that opportunity. And working with beginners has made me a much better coach at other levels of basketball because I've had to figure out how to observe well, how to manipulate constraints. And if you can do this, aka the CLA with 10-year-olds, in any environment, it's going to appear so easy in comparison. I would really recommend as a coach, you try and work with beginners and see if you can use the CLA. And you'll be, you'll be thankful for it because not only is it satisfying, it's the best coach development program you can ask for. So let me leave you four examples. Dribbling. Dribble tag one-on-one. The, both players have a ball. You might put them in a particular space or have no spatial constraint. They get a point every time they touch their opponent's knee. The first player to three points wins, and then they have to go play another partner. So if they win, they put the ball above their head, maybe. If they lose ball below, and then they find someone else who won, find someone else who lost. And what we're doing there is we are respecting the role of individual constraints. So even at that level, we want them playing with and against different people. Finishing. Big advantage one-on-one. I've already given a few examples in this episode, but let me give you another one. We could do a game where both offensive players are constantly passing the ball back and forth. Imagine it's, I call it hot potato. At any moment, the player who is designated as offense can drive and it cues a one-on-one. And critically, the defender should not be in front of the offense, but constantly orbiting them. What this is going to do is create highly variable situations, and it's also going to create a bigger advantage. Shooting, really simple. I would take a ball on the back start and say the constraint is you cannot finish in the paint. You have to score a jump shot. Great example. Or just have some type of closeout with a big advantage. And the last one, principles of play. Well, this would be I'd refer back to the episode I did on stop running pass and cut. In there, I shared some principles of play, and this would be Introduce concepts such as floor is lava, aka can't loiter about, can't stand and catch the ball in the mid-range unless you're on a deep cut. Introduce one can't guard two. So stand somewhere where you don't allow one defender to guard yourself and a teammate. And then we're just playing through one-on-one. And what I love doing is at this age group, play with a short shot clock immediately. Create a three-on-three, lower basket, smaller balls, create the space. Maybe one defender on that three-on-three team can't use their hand to play defense. Maybe two defenders can only use one hand. Maybe they all can't jump. Whatever you feel appropriate. And you're just going to give the offense a different shot clock every time. See what they do and you will be surprised. I guarantee it. So I hope this left you with some good takeaways. And, you know, I'm definitely going to share more resources and more practical ideas for how I've used the CLA with beginners over the years. I'd love to hear from you. So if you're working with beginners or under 12 players right now, Send me your examples. Send me your favorite activities 
and we're going to share those on the Transforming Basketball website and social media pages. Thanks again for listening. See you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Transforming Basketball podcast. If you would like to learn more about the work we do, head to www.transformingbball.com to access our free resources and help spread these ideas throughout the basketball world. If you enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe and leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform. We will gladly answer any questions from today's episode via our social media platforms. See you next time on the Transforming Basketball Podcast.